May I have your attention, please? Welcome to the Life in Tech podcast with Jay and Saad, where every week they will be sharing their experiences, insights, and opinions about working in the technology industry. Simply the best. <laughs> in this episode, we're going to discuss team morale within the tech industry and ways that we can improve working amongst each other across functional teams. So, Jay, what is it like working with other teams within the tech industry? So you being a designer, being a director of UX, what is it like working with engineers, project managers, finance, everyone from different teams? And what is your experience with that? And how can we improve those working environments? What is my experience? So um, one thing that I've come to realize is that when collaborating with other teams, a lot of people tackle it from a selfish perspective. It's always, or a lot of the time, it's always, what do I want? What are my objectives? And how can I use these teams to achieve my objectives so that I look good? <laughs> and this is something that I've noticed like, over the last like 15 years or so. Yeah. And something that I have consciously made sure that I do not replicate and let's face it everybody has their own objectives mm-hmm. like I've got a ton of objectives that are important to me right. and that I need delivered but I'm understanding of the fact that I can't deliver these things or my team can't deliver these things without the assistance of others mm-hmm. and what is the key attribute characteristic whatever you want to call it required to get the most out of a collaborative experience required to kind of get to the desired outcome right empathy right yeah you need humility Mm -hmm. to know that you're not superman or superwoman and (laughs) you can get everything done yourself yeah you're not an island working let's break down silos right that's humility right you need empathy to understand that you have may have your objectives and your needs but they're not the same needs of the other departments that you're dependent on to deliver the outcomes that you you need you right, desire, right. right? Yeah. So whenever there's something that is important to me that I need, such as, let's call it a design system, mm-hmm. I 100% need the collaboration with my design team, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Of course. I need the collaboration from engineers. Yeah. I need the collaboration from QA. I need mm-hmm. the collaboration from product managers. Uh-huh. But why should they care right. that I want this so they should now break away from their priorities to help me to, to achieve this goal, right? right? right yeah, and yeah. this and this vision. Yeah. It means that I need to take the time to sit down with them mm-hmm. individually and as teams mm-hmm. and as a silent observer in some cases and understand their areas of focus, what their priorities are, what their challenges are, and identify whether or not we have shared challenges and priorities and goals. desires and goals mm-hmm. objectives mm-hmm. or if we don't or if we're completely misaligned yeah yeah yeah. and if we don't match on any of these things mm-hmm. then i cannot expect them to to support yeah of course with my stuff yeah if you take a design system for example it solves a lot of issues for my team right in the sense that we are able to move ahead of a lot quicker yeah even implementing a design system in our design tool, yeah. um, which is like a sophisticated design library right. full of components. Right. We've been able to now double the speed of delivery when it comes to design. 
Mm-hmm. Now, the same challenges that we've identified in kind of engineering, what does engineering want? Efficiency. Mm-hmm. They want reduction of errors, mm-hmm. reduction of defects, mm-hmm. reduction of bugs. Mm-hmm. What do QA want? They want to they want less issues to be identified mm-hmm. so then they can move delivery on on faster. Mm-hmm. What do product managers want? They want to ship product and features as quickly as possible awesome. to the highest possible quality. What does the design system solve? All of these things. Yeah. It's an ongoing cycle, but until you have every team member, every team understanding that mm. like one part is broken, right? Then that function, that cycle mm-hmm. can no longer run. Because if you, for example, take out one component, let's just say you take out QA, mm-hmm. right? Well, the danger of going from engineering straight to live is not good because Mm -hmm. yeah engineers can test their own work but that's not ideal and that's not recommended somebody else should test Mm. or the you know the engineer would do his testing or her testing during the development phase but then you have to give it to appear you have to give it to somebody else before it goes live he needs an impartial because they're going to do some testing around business logic Mm -hmm. they're going to do testing around other areas of the of the application or or website that you might have not thought about during the development phase Mm -hmm. and then let's say you don't take out qa let's say you take out the pms or you take out the product component Mm -hmm. how is design going to know what they're going to design right so it's a cycle Mm-hmm. It's a cycle. Now, you said something very important there, and it's a word that I always think about and I always try to actualize, and that's empathy. Mm. What is empathy? And how can you have true empathy within the workplace? Because everybody's against something, and that's time. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a deadline. You'll have a deadline to set the design straight, give it to engineers. Engineers will have a deadline to get the development phase done and then give it to QA. And everybody's a race against time. How can you be empathetic when you've got tight deadlines, you've got team members saying, hey, Jay, can you hurry up with that design system because we need to deliver. We, we've only got two sprints for this, for the development phase. How can you put empathy into all of that stress and that pressure? Transparency. Mm. Being transparent with the why behind your kind of ambitions, mm-hmm. how that is going to impact the team and them and their their business area more specifically and also taking the time to understand why are the things that they're currently working on at the moment such a high priority where are those demands coming from and is there any way that the objectives that you're striving for can actually help support them to achieve their goals now when it comes to collaboration i'm always of the ethos that my priorities aren't more important than your priorities. However, I strongly believe that in a lot of cases, my priorities can help support you to achieving yours and vice versa. And in the long term, we could actually be better as a department, as a kind of wider kind of tech team, if we go through the motions of supporting one another and being transparent in terms of what's important to me, what do I need to unblock certain situations? And also being honest and, and open about sizing and expectations managing expectations is something which is extremely important because it lets people know exactly where they stand Mm -hmm. and what they can achieve in a certain time span and Mm -hmm. what's realistic so then they can then manage upwards and downwards to their peers and collaborators so that they can also know what to expect right so empathy does stem from being transparent but also 
requires an understanding. And this is something that a lot of people just do not do. Like in order to get something done in a very collaborative way requires a lot of front loading. Mm-hmm. What do I mean by front loading? I mean, taking the time to sit down with individuals on a one-to-one basis and discuss work with them, mm-hmm. discuss what's going on, discuss right. what their priorities are, challenges, etc. like I mentioned, but do this on an individual basis. Take the time to do that, which requires a lot of work. Right. A lot of people aren't willing to do that. Yeah, they don't want. They to just want to hit the objective yeah, yeah. straight away and get stuff done. Yeah, but you're actually doing yourself a disservice, and it's actually going to work in detriment to your objective. Take the time up front to sit down with people and treat them as people, mm-hmm. as human beings mm-hmm. that have needs. Yeah, understand what those needs are, and then figure out how you can help support them with their needs. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, you build empathy. They simultaneously build empathy with you because you're being transparent right? and you can work towards the same goals together. Yeah. And that's the thing. This is something that is, needs to be uh, constantly reminded. And I think every individual that works in the tech industry should also remind themselves is that for every industry, actually, if you work with other people, is that you're a team, you're a team and you need to build that morale and it might take a long time and it might take a lot of cultivation and a lot of disagreements and agreements and back and forth and, you know, difficulties. And there's going to be some times where you're going to have ease as well. So I think team morale is not something that comes straight out the door. I read a beautiful quote just yesterday, actually. And it was, you don't learn when things are going right. You learn when things have gone wrong, mm. Right. And I think if you go through times with your team or other teams and go through some, I wouldn't say bad times, but times where things don't go as expected, there's a lot of learning that comes from that. That's how morale, I think, in my opinion, is built, is when you push through those challenges together. Together, exactly. Not individually, Mm. it's together and overcome those challenges. Mm. And then you can carry those gems that you've learned or people that join later on and that's how i think a culture of a company or of a team is created over time it's not by the good times Mm. it's by the times where it's caused some problems and it's caused some upsetness and challenges how do you how do you maintain the morale so like once you've driven through a challenge Mm -hmm. and you're on this journey together and team morale is up because you've managed to solve this great challenge or obstacle yeah as a collective, mm-hmm. how do you then maintain that morale? Do you have to keep finding mm-hmm. things to fail? Or mm-hmm. No, it, it, yeah, I get your point. It's understanding that human beings are human beings and we make mistakes. And a mistake or a time period where you're not performing as well as you used to or you should be, shouldn't be the thing that judges you overall. Mm. Because the reality is, is work or being with your colleagues and your peers most of the time if not all of the time is that you're going to spend more time with them than your own family so the first thing in maintaining that morale is understanding that everyone's a human being and if someone does slip fall makes a mistake then the other members of that team need to be a support system not a system built on criticism and Mm. finger pointing it's not why did so and so in that team do this it's why didn't we do this? All of us, right? So that joint system is number one for me is how to maintain that morale. The second thing is that keeping your 
team members accountable. That accountability is very important. So hold them to their word and they should hold you to your word. So if you commit to something and they commit to something, then hold each other accountable. So you said you was going to deliver this on this date. We understand that there could be some circumstances and some things that happen during that can halt delivery on this date or whatever have you, but why did that happen? Mm. Be transparent. Be transparent. Why did it happen? Was it, is it something I did? Is it something I didn't do? Is it something you did? Or is it something you didn't do? Is it something we can do together to avoid this next time? Mm. So it's not about individuality. Like it's about togetherness, but holding each other accountable on an individual basis, Mm. right? Which then will construct that team accountability when you go through retrospects and sprint reviews and stuff like that, that you can raise and not point fingers, but say as a team, what actually happened here that didn't go to Mm. plan or what did happen that went to plan and better and how can we make that even better next time that's number two the third thing is challenge your peers and keep them engaged right if you see that you see you know that one of your peers knows more than than they think they do try and bring out ways where you can expose that for them sometimes we operate in a way where we know more than what we actually expose And that could be for many reasons. It could be down to self-esteem or caring about what others might think of you and stuff like that. So if you see potential in your peers, if you're like a manager or a supervisor and you you know that so-and-so has more in them, Mm. try and bring ways out. That's interesting because this is something that I believe doesn't happen enough in a lot lot of workplaces. Mm -hmm. There are extremely talented, Mm -hmm. creative Mm -hmm intelligent people mm-hmm. that work in these teams mm-hmm. but when it comes to environments or situations where mm-hmm. you have people who may be more senior or stronger vocally with their opinions they may feel as though they do not have the permission to speak mm-hmm. right or they're not they're not in a place where it's justified for them to speak in that situation because everybody else seems a lot more self-assured and confident mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned something, if as a manager or a leader, you know that there's somebody in that room or on that call, you could add a lot of value, but for whatever reason, they're not speaking up. Create that space for them. Create that space, create that safe space. And this is what I believe doesn't happen enough. Like mm-hmm. invite them into the conversation. Mm-hmm. And don't hey, do Saad, it a, mm. what do you think of that? Yeah. Or am I, is what I'm saying correct to you? Does it make sense to you? Mm-hmm. Like, what's your opinion on that? Mm-hmm. draw them out yeah. because not everybody's an extrovert and not everybody has been conditioned or been in environments that have been encouraging for them to speak their opinions you know a lot of people are apprehensive on what they can and cannot say mm. oh my manager's on this call you know i need to make sure that every word i say is well look if you cannot create that transparency with your manager and your manager cannot create that transparency with you where when you're having one-to-ones, you're not really exposing what's going on, then there's a problem there. Mm. There's a problem. There's a true problem. And that's not transparency. And that doesn't maintain or create team morale because I should feel comfortable enough to say to my manager, I feel overwhelmed or my skill set is not being exercised enough. I can perform more, but you're not giving me that responsibility. Or I don't believe this is the right direction we should be heading down. Exactly. 
And you should feel comfortable or if you don't feel comfortable in the beginning, because again, team morale takes time. Mm -hmm. It takes experience. It takes things to not go right and things to go right. It takes difficulty and it takes ease. Mm. And your manager doesn't know you from day one and you don't know them from day one. It takes time. Mm. So, and not only managers, your peers also. You should be able to say to your peer, look, I don't think we should go down that design route. Or this principle doesn't, it's not applicable here. You know, it doesn't have to be at a manager level. It, it can be at every level, mm. right? But feeling apprehensive is a feeling that I think a lot of people have. And if you're a manager or a peer and you see that, oh, you know, when I go to lunch with that person, they're very vocal. They're very outspoken. They're, you know, their ideas are, are very good. And, you know, they're always touching on some some interesting things. But then more professional settings on a call or with a client or something they're not as vocal try to help them bring that out mm. and you don't need to put them on the spot immediately but just be like as you said so and so what do you think about this oh i remember when you mentioned something similar to this you know i think it'll be applicable here mm. so it's that morale it, it shouldn't just be expected that everybody has to bring their side of that morale because some the fact of the matter is some people don't have those skills some people are introverts and they they find it difficult to speak in a room with more than two or three people but behind the computer they they they're skilled mm. right so help them bring that out and if there are people in a team that are more vocal then what i think is very effective especially when it comes to learning development and i think we'll have a future episode on this on its own but why does learning development always have to be centered around your job description? For example, you might be the most skilled designer in the workplace, but you might really struggle when it comes to getting your point across, or you might be an introvert, or you might have anxiety. You might. So learning development should be centered around the human mm. needs, not the skill set that brings value to the company that you work for. Also, the behaviors required to can perform at your very best yeah and if there's specific um kind of aspirations that you might have mm -hmm. allowing you to gain access to the mm -hmm. training materials um kind of required to obtain those behaviors or kind of nurture those behaviors so that you become more confident and self-assured in particular situations in order to kind of elevate yourself to a particular role or or position um kind of within the business or, or within the team um, kind of last point from from me is I believe that a lot of the time morale lessens in kind of individuals is because they get trodden on um, for their mistakes. Mm -hmm. So if somebody makes a minor mistake, their manager might really go hard on them for that mistake, or mm -hmm. their team might discredit them and think, mm, "You're not who we thought you were," or "All right, we expect better from you," kind of thing, mm -hmm. rather than understanding why did that mistake happen mm -hmm. and how can we prevent it from happening again mm -hmm. and i feel like good leadership mm -hmm. helps individuals to identify where mistakes have been formed but also builds them up from that mistake so the mistake doesn't get repeated but they learn from that situation and they can then help others not to repeat the same mistakes yeah and i feel like we need to do more of that kind of active um, feedback and learning and understanding the human being mm -hmm. so that they can then help others to be successful in their yeah. roles basically and i don't think we do enough of that i feel like a lot of kind of businesses and i think this again goes down to legacy practices and yeah. 
legacy kind of management styles like theory mm. x management mm. um, where you're kind of very micromanagey mm -hmm. you're kind of on the case you're all about output 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 compared to theory y management where you see your team as seeds and you're watering those seeds and helping mm. them grow and flourish what a great analogy this is yeah. what we need to see more of a trend towards yeah yeah, yeah. and i think if we do that mm -hmm. we will sustain morale yeah i think also to create a space where it's okay to say i don't know mm. i don't know how to do this but i'm going to find out or we as a team are going to find out i think morale also comes from or low morale comes from people being scared of exposure they're so more skilled they're so much more skilled than me i don't know how to do that well it's okay because you're probably better at so many other things than them but it's not about it's not a competitive environment it shouldn't be a competitive environment it should be a supportive environment where if you do fall they will pick you up and vice versa but to wrap up i just want to quickly touch upon processes and how processes or over processing something can affect team morale now what i mean by that is i'm quite old school mm. so i like to as an engineer i like to pull up a chair next to a designer and be like hey jay um we need to adjust this design you know because when I try to develop it, there's this issue and, th and that issue. Mm. So we need to rethink this for usability or some accessibility here or something like that. Whereas nowadays it's like, I need to go to my PM. I need mm -hmm. to say to my PM, can you go over to the design team? Can you tell them that this is not quite working? And then feedback to me, that might take three days. And then, you know, by the time it's come back to me, I've, I've actually forgotten the actual reason why, you know, this over-processing mm. sometimes can, and I'm not against processes. Mm. I'm not again processing at all, but this over-processing can sometimes affect team morale, especially when it's cross-functional teams. Because I love pulling up a chair with, a, you know, my colleagues and being like, man, let's pray a program together or let's, you know what I mean, a designer will just, designer will just point fingers and be like, okay, nudge that 40 pixels over there, put that image over there, put mm. it, you know, we're just doing things hands-on. So just last question is, do you think that over-processing affects team morale? I think it does. And what are, what are one or two ways that we can combat that? I think it does as well. If you take into account very strict handovers, that can affect team morale. Because if you're saying UX are taking ownership of this, UI are taking ownership of that, engineering over are taking ownership of, of their section, and it's literally like a conveyor belt um, kind of mechanism, what you often find, and this even happens in agile teams um, kind of as well, is people feel left out of the process. They don't understand why particular decisions have been made. They don't understand why we're going in a particular direction or how we got to that decision or where that research came from. And there's a very simple way to prevent this from happening. And this is through one word, communication. Making sure that you're using the correct communication channels, which means understanding your teammates, mm -hmm. and understanding what their preferred communication channels are mm -hmm. as well. Um, what their communication styles are, yeah. um, which are like red, green, blue, um, yellow, for example. Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole like case studies and around psychology on these communication styles. Mm -hmm. But understanding what they are mm -hmm. and finding the right tools or methodology to present this form of communication through. If you bring them in early enough in the process um, so that they can understand your thinking from the ground, then they feel more invested in what it is that you're doing and you can feel more invested, invested in what they're doing as well. So 
Likewise, a developer might be upset that they weren't involved in the design process because they don't understand where all of these requirements came from and how they came about and kind of who we spoke to, etc. A designer might feel upset that a developer changed something at the last minute because they thought it'd be a better experience or they're trying to meet an accessibility criteria that the designer wasn't aware of or didn't factor factor into their design. That can create, create clashes within the team yeah. that can easily be avoided by just giving people a heads up, saying, hey, look, I'm thinking about this. Let's go by the side of the desk, giving them a quick message um, on the... Pull up uh, a chair. Exactly, pull up a chair, like go through this together. Yeah. Communication is is key. And mm-hmm. you know that that is probably my final point on that, is that you need to be effective communicators and bring people in early in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. We'll wrap up there, Jay. Thank you everyone for listening. This has been the Life in Tech podcast with Jay and Saad and we will see you on the next one. Make sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to make sure that you get the latest episodes as they drop. They'll be dropping on a weekly basis. And again, if you'd like to be on the show, feel free to reach out to us on LinkedIn. We'll be happy to have you.